0: Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio, on 101.3 KPCG and online. We're at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. Today's Wednesday, middle of the week, and a uh, beautiful day here at Edmond, Oklahoma City, in the 50s today. I think less wind. We've had some really windy days the last few days. Uh, epic wind here in Oklahoma, so a little bit uh, nicer today. Hopefully it's nice where you are. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today as well. Uh, Grant, uh, admittedly, a little, a little perturbed. Um, <laughs> It's not my fault, but uh you you went and you watched a little basketball last night and you it's it's bothered you. The game has bothered <laughs> you ever since.
1: Yeah, it's it's those Houston Rockets. It's just it is absolutely disturbing to watch because they they're so good. For one thing, they're just amazing. I mean, obviously you have to give that to them. They they made seventeen three pointers last night. Chris Paul was like just dribbling up top, then he'd step back and and to his right and then just chuck up a fadeaway three. And he made it five different times like that. Uh, So that was frustrating. But then they always do this stuff where they're trying to to draw a foul. They're not trying to make a shot. They're not trying to drive to the basket or cut behind somebody. They're just looking to draw a foul, and it's not basketball. Every time I go to see a Thunder Rockets game, it takes 20 minutes longer than any other game I could possibly go to. Uh, and so, if the Thunder's not blowing that team out, it's a total waste of time to watch it because obviously the Thunder's losing, and uh, the play stops every fifteen seconds.
0: It's interesting, um, having been a basketball fan myself for thirty years or so. Um, the The game changes sort of over time, and. I remember in the '90s it was very physical. '80s is even more so, probably very physical. You could hand check. You could so teams started to say, "Hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna outmuscle the other team." So you got like the New York Knicks, where if you looked at that '90s Knicks team, it looked like gladiators. I mm. mean, those were some big boys, Anthony Mason and some of those other guys. And it just became, I think, a little bit. Some people thought it was a little unwatchable because it was just low scoring just basically football on the basketball court. So the NBA said, well, we, we want to get rid of that. So they got rid of hand checking. Uh, they got rid of uh, – well, they changed, I think, to where you can play zone defense. They changed that a little bit. They ch- made a few changes. But now it's gone the other way to where every touch is a foul. And so, like you say, teams, no matter how, what, what the, the officials are going to do, they look at that and say, how, how can we take advantage of the system? which is irritating as a fan because you just want to see good basketball be played as opposed to, oh, they're going to call every foul, so let me just run into this guy and throw the ball from half court or, like you said, attempt like a granny shot from 40 feet away (laughs) and then claim like you got fouled when you'd never shoot that shot. So And and we see the same thing in a lot of sports. We see it in football where – like for example you can't run a pick play but everybody runs a pick play it just can't look like a pick play you know i mean it just it's just so much deception in it from from teams that uh, it'll be great whenever we get to the point and it won't be i'm sure until christ <laughs> returns but where we can we can play sports we can have fun and not try to take advantage of the rules
1: yeah and i'm i'm one of those fans who can see it from my own team as well i'm not saying that my teams never do things wrong or try to deceive officials. Uh, it's It's really irritating anytime, any team does it, but certain teams do it a lot more than everyone else. James Harden has this move where he goes into the lane with the ball, and he has his arms extended completely out in front of him, and he's basically holding the ball out and moving his arms back and forth to see if anyone wants to take a slap. Does anyone want to foul me now? <laughs> it's like, does anyone actually go into the lane like that if they're, if they're legitimately just trying to make a shot? Is that how people hold the ball did they really hold it away from their body as far as possible to try to draw a foul like that and like every time the thunder had two two defenders on someone and had them trapped they'd literally just collapse in a heap like trevor reza just fell down and turtled up on the ground and they called a foul and there wasn't any contact or if they get around someone and they're dribbling then they just go into like a head first dive on the ground and all the replays show no one even nudged them but they just went flying, so the officials think, well, there must have been a a foul on that play. I just have to wonder, at what point do refs watch the tape after a game and say, this team is deceiving me constantly, and I'm going to keep that in mind next time I officiate them. You have to adjust based on the habits of these different teams.
0: The officials are under a lot of pressure uh, because they've got these players, really all of them, but especially the bigger stars, where every time they – in any way are involved in a play they're complaining you know they've been fouled they didn't foul the other guy and so i really you know you have somebody constantly berating you uh, it's hard to do i mean we've both officiated yeah. games certainly at a much lower level but but still that pressure can come in a little bit and so i don't i don't know what nba officials get paid but uh, it's not an easy job they, they they they're constantly booed and everybody hates them you never see anybody like uh you know say hey, that was a really fair game you did a great like you don't see the audience applaud the fair game <laughs> Right? they'll applaud if you make a call they like but but if you don't then uh and then they always replay the the, the play on the big screen of course and and a lot of times it, maybe a mistake was made and then they have to sit there while everyone watches it and boos them.
1: Yeah, there um, there's definitely some agitators working in working in the video department to always be playing the play like that because right. it gets the whole crowd just oh, yeah. incensed when that happens.
0: Yeah, I mean you, you you would at some point I you know, I suppose consider in the back of your head like I hope I can get out of here okay tonight, <laughs> you yeah. know, cuz people uh, get pretty upset about some of those things.
1: Yeah, hopefully they get paid decently because that's a lot of abuse to go through and and obviously there are criticisms to be made sometimes but these players lose a lot of credibility when after every play they're complaining so hopefully at some point they can just look at the tape and obviously hopefully they can ignore a lot of the complaints because those shouldn't be changing their calls anyway uh it's just uh i just would hope at some point it gets a little bit more even i mean last night it was 34 free throws for the rockets 11 for the thunder and i watched the game it it shouldn't have been that much of a disparity and yet it was because the rockets are simply better at making it look like there's a foul when there's not
0: it'll be i think it'll just be great whenever we do get to the point of a in society and i i don't think it'll be until christ returns of course but uh to where you you know people aren't professional athletes they they play it and it's fun and they enjoy it but they have other things to do with their lives and so people can really play games and have fun but it's not your entire life mm-hmm. you know because even at this stage of the game uh for young people if you're pretty good at, at a sport it becomes people's lives already and uh you know some people make good money at it but at the end of the day uh, it is just a game <laughs> and I, I like it i mean i really love it but you know, I, I think it'd just be great when communities can get together. You know, play another community in a sport, have fun, and the next day you go back to your job. Right, and exactly. you talk about it at lunch, like how fun it was. Like it's not, you're not playing 82 games a year, traveling around the country. You know, making political speeches in between. <laughs> you just live living a living a balanced lifestyle and playing some. Playing some sports uh, in the evenings or on the weekends or something. Well,
1: that's true because, I mean, today you have scouts looking out for eight-year-olds at this point. <laughs> Literally, they're trying to secure a college recruit when the kid is eight years old or barely just gotten into middle school. So they're, they're not going to even be old enough for college for another eight to ten years, and yet scouts are always already trying to swoop them up. So you can imagine from a kid's standpoint – they're already just consumed by that one sport. How are they going to focus on their education, on their classes, maybe even on a part-time job if they know that in the future they could be playing for a big college program?
0: Well, in the NCAA program, they're, of course, under a lot of pressure now for some illegal activity, and there's probably a lot more than there than has even been exposed yet. I mean, everybody wants to win. They want to be competitive, and so – you know, players get paid in some cases, so there's a lot of corruption there because it's made to be too big of a deal. That's mm-hmm. why I do I do really like, and I know it's not perfect, but I really do like the the March Madness basketball tournament. You know, you get all these schools and they're playing, and most of them are not going to be professional athletes. But this is a it's a great tournament, and it's not perfect. I know there's corruption and all that, but uh, but it, it is nice to see some teams that play really hard, and you know they're going to graduate and move on and just get regular jobs. Um, and it's not going to be their entire life. Because I think even those that have a lot of success with it, uh, there's been some famous athletes over the years that have written about after the fact, when your career is over, you kind of are lost sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I do? You know, because that was your whole life, your whole identity. I think Mickey Mantle talked about that a fair bit, like how depressed he got. Because you can never get back that feeling of that adulation and of the crowd and all of those things. You're done with your career by the time you're 40, you know, mm-hmm. and then you've got the rest of your life to, I don't know, talk about the days gone by. <laughs> so, I, in some ways, that can be kind of a tough thing for, for even the really good ones.
1: Yeah, that's true. A lot of these college athletes are going to go into a, a more uh, normal or average field after they play this March Madness tournament, and they're not going to be, um, you know, like you said, traveling the country playing, playing professionally, making millions of dollars. But you take lessons away from sports that you can apply in the rest of your life, and it does make you a more balanced, competent individual a lot of the time, and you learn how to work together as a team. You learn how to persevere through obstacles, and it, it, it is almost an advantage for the people who just go into a regular career after March Madness instead of going into the NBA, because uh, it's more of a balanced lifestyle. It's not to the extreme of making a million dollars overnight and maybe not knowing how to use that money wisely right away.
0: Yeah, and some of those guys make you know over a million dollars a year and they don't play. Mm. <laughs> they play two minutes a night, which has got to be kind of disappointing. Uh, we're not going to talk all about sports today. Uh, we have other things to discuss <laughs> as well. Uh, a lot about technology, actually, that we're going to focus on. And uh did want to mention something. This, this I think, is just a good warning for parents, <laughs> anybody, I suppose. Sometimes kids want to eat things they find outside or their friends dare them to eat something. And uh, a lot of times that can happen. Maybe it's not a big deal, but sometimes it can be serious. This is a situation in Australia that happened. There was a teenager. He was a, he was a rugby player, a really fit guy, about 19 years old at the time. And in 2010, he was at a friend's party And uh, somebody saw a garden slug. And they said, hey, why don't you eat that as a dare? So he did. He swallowed it. And uh, he fell ill and was taken to a a hospital there. He was diagnosed as having been infected with rat lungworm. That's as bad as it sounds, by the way. The particular worm is found in rodents, but snails or slugs can become infected when they eat the feces of rats. So... Don't eat slugs. Uh, anyway, it's got this particular name. This, um, uh, this, uh, I get. Well, uh, what they get from eating the stuff from the rats. But anyway, uh, they say most people wouldn't develop symptoms, but some cases they can have a brain infection. So this guy got a brain infection, and now he's he was in a coma, I think, for like 400 days or something, and now he's basically just a shell of a human in a in a wheelchair, can't really do anything for himself all because somebody dared him to eat a slug. And so it's making some headlines, more about, like, the medical bills and things. But I just thought it was interesting because how often do you see that? of kid's like, hey, eat that or do that. And uh, it'd be a good warning. I I told my kids right away, I said, hey, not that you ever would, but (laughs) don't ever eat one of these things, you know. (laughs) Nobody would normally pick it up and do it unless you were a baby, maybe. But in this case, you know, you're teenagers, you're goofing around, and somebody dares you. You do it, and in this case, the guy's pretty much a cripple for life now.
1: I've also heard of other cases where uh, slugs or whatever else, snails could have even maybe a little bit of poison in them. So it's not even just them picking up diseases by eating what they eat, but even some of them are are poisonous to begin with. So there's a lot of different dangers from things like this. And it it made me think of um, just how God has laws about what we should and shouldn't eat. Uh, There's the clean and unclean meats portion of the Old Testament. And he's very specific about Look, these these are the types of animals that you can consume, and there's a whole bunch more that you really shouldn't. And some might think that God's being a little bit restrictive about diet, but then all these studies come out or all these tragic stories that show how dangerous all these other animals are if you end up eating them.
0: Right. I think I've mentioned before, maybe, or at least I think I've told you at some point, uh, I I knew somebody that that went took a trip to China, and they ate a bunch of... uh, shellfish and other things which they had not eaten previously and it killed them they died from it wow uh very quickly and you know it doesn't always happen but i was thinking about this too you know like you said god has these health laws and also i mean god has designed things to where they're on appetizing right i mean you look at a slug there's nobody that looks at a slug and says mm, that looks <laughs> that looks interesting you know you're revolted by it uh, and, and a lot of things like the seafood that a lot of people like to eat, you take a look at that thing. And, uh, you know, if if it wasn't a cultural thing or it wasn't something where, oh, it's being served at a restaurant, would you ever look at that thing in the wild and say, yeah, I'm going to put that in my mouth? And you'd no. run away. They're the grossest things you've ever seen. Conversely, you know, a fully ripened apple or a banana, <laughs> yeah, that looks interesting. Yeah. You know, even just the way we're designed to be like just sickened by certain things. A lot of the stuff that that people want to eat especially in certain cultures, just to look at it would sicken people.
1: Yeah, lobsters, catfish, those are literally the bottom feeders of the ocean and yet uh we consider those delicate delicacies in a lot of different places. And yet they look like they're straight out of a sci-fi movie. They look like an alien life form almost. Um, God create all these things to have different qualities and they're definitely entertaining to look at, but it's not like those are the most attractive uh, species out there.
0: No, the catfish, that's a big thing in uh, Oklahoma here. They go, people go noodling, where they stick their arm down there and let it bite on them and pull it out, which I'm like, who figured who, like, who thought that was a good idea, but I couldn't do it. No, it's too scary. (laughs) It's very, it is scary. So a lot of people like to do that. And, um, there's an aquarium in Tulsa and a couple of years ago i took my kids there and we were going through the aquarium and sure enough they had a s- part of the aquarium that had catfish in it which i thought well that's kind of weird i mean but fair enough and there was some locals there <laughs> and the, uh, the the dad was there looking at it with his kids and uh i don't know if i can do a rugged oklahoma accent or not but he was like he was like get some butter on them and you put them on the grill like he was he was describing like how he would eat those oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i thought well that's that's pretty accurate. A lot of people do eat that stuff, and a lot of them just don't know any better, and they just grew up doing it, but but if you do look at God's laws, they say, look, there's certain things you should not eat, and it's not because God just is making a law just to see if we'll do it. Uh, it's because it's not good for us, and you know, when you throw that live evolution out the window and you look at the reality that an intelligent mind created men and, and women and the way our bodies work and what we need to eat to sustain life and health, there's a design there. And if you start putting things in, you shouldn't. I mean, we could all go out and probably eat a handful of dirt. probably <laughs> wouldn't kill us. And <laughs> some, some people would say there's more nutrients in it, but at the same time, that's not what we're supposed to sustain ourselves on. <laughs> there are certain things we should eat and not eat. Just because it doesn't kill you immediately doesn't mean that uh, it's okay to put in your mouth.
1: Exactly, and like you said, putting God into consideration there and realizing that he's the creator uh, does help clarify the whole situation because don't creators create things for artistic value, things that are not supposed to be edible every single time? I mean, if we're, if we're viewing it as evolution, uh, well, then man is the pinnacle of everything in the world. And so he obviously should be able to harvest these different animals and, and eat whatever he feels like. But if God created things, uh, we should be able to understand that he also has laws for how we should operate, even on a physical health level. And also he's a creator. He has a brilliant creative capacity, uh, just an unlimited ability to produce beauty. Uh, and even just things that are unique or funny or interesting, uh, doesn't mean that every single animal we should be consuming.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it's, you know, it's, it's a great point too. I mean, man has made things. We make cars. Do we ever say, you know what, instead of putting gas in this thing, let's fill it with swamp water and see what happens. (laughs) People would think you're an idiot because they're like clearly you don't put that in there it doesn 't run on that, but yet humans would like well let's let 's eat that and see what happens to mm-hmm. us but we would never we would never do that with a machine that we 've made
1: yeah and, and the same the same analogy there if we create a car, we expect it to drive on the road and not decide to go in the water and see if it can float it 's the same thing where God created us and he created us for a specific purpose to do specific things, obey his laws. And so often we decide, well, we are not built for that purpose. We actually know better for our own lives. And even on this, in this area of physical health, we think of the most repulsive things as delicacies, things that if you're looking at it from a standpoint of eating it, it, we should not even consider that because of how gross it would be. Uh, But because we think that we're in charge of our own lives, uh, then apparently that's an option.
0: Yeah. So just be real careful, you know, because poor guy. I mean, they they have a before and after picture. The story's on Fox News, a few other places. And he was, like, a strong 19-year-old rugby player, like, good-looking kid. And they, they his mom even said oh, he was, like, indestructible, you know. And then you see him today, and he's in a wheelchair, and he's, you can tell he's just not there mentally anymore. Wow. All off of that. I feel bad for his friend, too, that said, hey, eat that, you know. It was just a joke, but sometimes it has serious consequences so something to something to think about there well, that's a
1: lesson for friends too isn't it Yeah. i mean uh, even even when we think it could be harmless why do we always have to be constantly pressuring e- uh, each other in a certain way especially when we're younger uh, that tends to happen quite a lot we we probably both are familiar with that uh, but if it's if there's nothing productive about it if there's nothing good that can come from it why would we want our friends to do that if we wouldn't do it ourselves and we're trying to get our friend to do it uh it's not really motivated by love
0: i never really understood the uh the pressure of the dare um you know somebody says do that i dare you like (laughs) that never registered with me i'm like i don't care i mean (laughs) it's so or or they up the ante well i'll double dare you you know, Oh no. <laughs> <sand>. Yes. <laughs> Triple dare. I mean, how far are we going to take this? So I never really felt all that pressure, but I, you know, in some situations I, I'm sure um, people would, that would be a very fascinating, uh, historical look. Uh, I wonder if they have something like that where it's like the history of dares, mm. dares that have gone wrong. Cause I bet there's a whole lot of them. Oh yeah. Where people lost their lives or had serious problem because it, they accepted a stupid dare and then had a problem
1: yeah it's pretty easy to see w- with every dare how hypocritical it is someone's daring you to do it but they're not doing it themselves so that should tell us all we need to know about what we're being da- dared to do <laughs> if the person right. telling us to do it won't do it maybe it would be smart for us to avoid it too
0: yeah and i think that's probably i guess the way i always felt about it like yeah. well why don't you do it <laughs> There, there is more pressure i suppose if everybody does something you know they all jump in the, the pool or something, and you're afraid. I mean, there's a little more <laughs> pressure there, I guess. But uh, So so anyway, when we were kids, they had the D.A.R.E. program. D.A.R.E. to keep your kids off of drugs.
1: That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Did you guys ever do that?
1: We did. Yeah. I actually remember that. I don't know if they still – I don't think they still do it now, but yeah. they definitely should.
0: Yeah, I don't remember what it all stood for. But it was an acronym, I think. So yeah. anyway, the D.A.R.E. program. Uh, make sure you listen for the tr- or uh, check out thetrumpet.com dot today. We're gonna getting into our technology section here. Technology going awry. Top story today from Richard Palmer: Surveillance State, a preview of your future. It's not nineteen eighty four yet, the uh, story that is, <laughs> but it's getting awfully close. Is this leading to the mark of the beast? If you're familiar with Bible prophecy, you probably have heard of the mark of the beast. And even if you're not, you probably have heard of the mark of the beast. It's always <laughs> comes up in a movie somewhere and they always think it's, you know, some sort of horror movie type of thing, but uh, it does. The Bible talks about the ability to buy and sell and uh, which is very relevant to people's lives. And he talks about some of the things going on in China, China running a pilot scheme for this omnipresent system uh, in one particular area. Their housing complex is on lock with a facial scan. The resident doesn't have to fumble with his keys But this means the government is tracking who goes in and out. And there's other ways, and they track you and what you do and your activities. And we talked about some of that yesterday, even with this, like, social currency that they have there in China. So, um, again, it does make, I think, thinking people a little bit nervous. Because even though it could make some parts of your life easier, I guess, do you want people tracking your every move? Um, What could they use that for?
1: Yeah, and... it seems like there could be a lot of logistical problems too. If you have a facial recognition scanner at your house, but you told someone who is house sitting for you to just let themselves in, how does that even happen? I mean, did they have, how do you get facial recognition of the person who you sent to your house? Uh, it just seems like there would be a lot of issues like that, um, that will take quite a, a long time to work out. So even just from that standpoint, uh, a lot of people are going to be at least inconvenienced in the short term, even if they think that it'll have some uh, longer term benefits. Uh, and then on top of that, um, it just shows human nature and how leaders, though they're meant to be the greatest servants among the people, that's, that's what a leader is really supposed to do. Uh, this is not anywhere near serving. This is about slowly taking more and more power until basically the people underneath you don't have a say in how they live their daily lives. And and maybe be, people are just too afraid to say something or they just aren't even reala- realizing how dangerous this stuff can be.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, unnerving to say the least. And I mean, we all have some of this going on even today. I mean, if you have a smartphone, it knows where you are. They know where you are, where your phone is at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was I saw a story today even where People are starting to use like the Alexa device, these other devices where you ask it things and it gives you answers. And uh, those aren't behaving properly for some reason in some cases. Like there's one where it just it has like this this maniacal, crazy laugh that just randomly happens, which would scare you to death in the middle of the night. Uh, and then it's just ignoring commands. So I don't know if it's just a malfunction or if somebody's messing around. And like manipulating them or something, I don't, I don't know what's going on with those. But uh, it, it, we, the more intertwined we become with technology, the more we get caught up in the web of it all, mm-hmm. uh, and that can be a bad thing. There is a kind of related to that. We talked about this a little while ago, but there's some more information about these alarming advances made in digital media manipulation. Uh, it's called the deep fake. You know where they mm. they take somebody and they make it look like they did something. There's a video out there that they've made just to demonstrate where they have President Obama giving a speech that he never gave, and it looks it looks like you couldn't tell. And they, they do it to demonstrate. Look, we can this can be done by anybody that has a little bit of know-how. The software is open source, so you can go get it. I think. And what they do is they they basically take the the image of the person. And they can they can map their lips and, like, their eyebrows and make them sort of move in a natural way. And then you insert the words or what they're saying. I don't know all the exact ins and outs of how they do it, but there is the possibility now to take a person, anybody you want, and put them into a video showing them doing something that looks realistic and they were not actually involved at all.
1: Uh, yeah, I just have to ask why. Why is this something that had to be created... What's the motivation for stuff like that? Uh, obviously, you could, I'm sure you could do something interesting in terms of video games or movies or whatever, but they're actually showing a real person doing something that he didn't do. Why, why couldn't they show a more harmless example so people don't get these crazy ideas of maybe trying to blackmail somebody uh, instead of create a video game or whatever?
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of that would be a use of this that wouldn't be necessarily horrible would be just a comedy. Like it'd be funny, I guess, maybe, but even that would be strange. But I can't think of one good reason to do this because you're, well, it's a lie, first of all. But then you can just think of, like you said, blackmail. Um, You know, we talked the other day about all these scams that happen. So you don't mean to think the scammers are already thinking this through? Like, huh, I wonder what I could do to take advantage of somebody here. And in this age of fake news, you never know. Like, There's so many stories that come out about anybody that's in the public eye, and they find somebody who says they did this and they did that, and with the Me Too movement and all these things. Some of it's probably true. Some of it may not be. I don't know. But then now you you make these fake videos. It's going to be so hard to determine truth from lies. And uh, if somebody's got an axe to grind with you, there's lots of ways to come at you now. Well, it just
1: makes you wonder uh, who would actually ever want to be a public figure. Who would want to gain any sort of recognition at all if all it takes is one malicious person with knowledge of software to totally ruin your life, potentially. Uh, and the Bible even talks about that, how in the end time, no one's going to want to be a leader, and people will be clamoring for someone who seems to dress nicely, and that's about it, and that, that'll that be the person who'll be the leader. Maybe this, maybe this has uh, some potential there where... No one wants to be a leader, obviously, because of how bad the nation is, but what about the fact that no one knows what truth is anymore, and you can just be lied about and slandered endlessly? We've seen that uh, even with this president, uh, obviously not with this type of software yet, uh, but that's where it's it's heading, it seems like, where you could just say anything you want to about someone, completely undermine their character, destroy their reputation, and it just takes a second. It, it's so easy to do that now that why would anyone want to lead?
0: Right. Well, even I mean, even before say the ad the advent of some of this video technology, just think about the way that presidents over the years or other world leaders have been uh, made fun of in sketches, like sketch comedy with impersonators. And in some cases, I think that's sort of the impression people have of that individual. It's not the actual individual; it's the character, the character that they made of them. Uh, you know, you can think of like Will Ferrell doing uh, his impression of president bush that's the first one i thought of uh, Yeah, you know i think dana carvey did the his father um there's just different ones that have have obviously now it's what the baldwin guy i can't remember which baldwin brother it is alec alec right? <laughs> alec yeah. baldwin he, he's he does the trump impression and so people i think they sort of sort of think, i mean they know it's not the real guy but you have this this guy up there acting like a leader saying just absolutely ridiculous things Way overdoing facial gestures and that type of thing, and uh, or facial gestures that's not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> facial, uh, you know, whatever expressions, expressions. Yeah, thank you, you. and other gestures, <laughs> facial gestures, <laughs> and uh, and and that kind of sticks in people's heads. Mm-hmm. So that's been going on for a long time, but now you can actually fool people into thinking that the president said something or another leader. So that's a great point you bring out. I mean, maybe that is part of why people just say, I don't want anything to do with leadership anymore.
1: Well, it definitely uh, makes me want to to shrink into the background just hearing a story about that. That's the natural pull. When you hear something about how easy it is to just completely ruin someone's life, uh, why would you want to be out there in the public eye? Why would you ever want to accomplish something that is noteworthy if – Someone who has something against you for whatever reason could undermine all of that hard work.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, as far as these deepfake videos go, they say that Reddit took steps to ban a number of deepfake groups that had tens of thousands of members that were using this software and talking about it. But experts say people are still accessing the tool on the dark web. So it's like, it's like a weapon that man makes. They always use it. You make software, somebody's going to use it. And they're going to figure out what to do with it. And it's never for good purposes, you know. It's always, always the driving forces to do something uh, evil, it seems like. And so they've tried to ban it, but it's on the dark web. I don't know anything about the dark web. <laughs> All I know is that they have commercials about, like, what do they know about you on the dark web? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what the dark web is.
1: How does one even venture to this land? It doesn't even make sense. Well,
0: it, according to the like the little videos they always show you when they're talking about it, you have to be in a dark room. Oh, very true, and everything has to be really like <laughs> secretive and ominous. They're in the dark web, so that's all I know about it. The uh, the dramatization,
1: yeah, it's uh pretty pretty terrifying to hear about that, and and then just to know that there are tens of thousands of people who are already really into this software hasn't been in existence for very long, but it's already getting quite a lot of acceptance and gaining some popularity, uh, and a lot of people could pretty easily. Use that. It doesn't sound like it's that difficult to uh, figure out how to use. Uh, that that probably just shows the importance of uh, even just people who are reporting the news right now. They'd better be there in person, not not just look for some video clip of what supposedly happened because it's too easy to fake things. Apparently,
0: oh, it is. Yeah, it really highlights the f- the the biblical um, admonition to just be above reproach as much as possible. That's probably your safest bet. Is that if somebody even bothered to make a fake video but it was so out of character from what that person's done in their life that would probably be the biggest indicator that this isn't legitimate mm. so being above reproach is probably the best the best bet you could have because yeah i mean even with a lot of leaders today that are kind of in the news for maybe doing something they shouldn't have done there's enough there where they actually probably have to where now it's kind of hard to determine who the liar is and, and and who's telling the truth because they do have a history of some of those Uh activities. But if you're above reproach, then, um, well, if nothing else, you can always just look at your track record and have people look at that and say, well, I have not done that. Why would, you know, that should tell you this is this isn't a real thing.
1: Well, that's really just about the only way to control this. I mean, you can't stop every single one of these tens of thousands of people from making a video about you. So, really, the only way to do it right is to, you know, have have p- good people around you who can vouch for you, and maybe maybe. Uh, like in the case of the me too movement you have to put yourself in the right situations and make sure that you're not alone with someone who could then accuse you and and then just treating people the right way so that they don't have a reason uh to be that hateful toward you that would help too
0: yeah speaking of a uh, deep fake software maybe that's what chris paul uses when he <laughs> pretends to shoot the ball I from like, half court <laughs> To the get grainy a foul call. shot. Deep Unbelievable! Fake. It's a deep fake. <laughs> Make sure you check out the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with your host Stephen Fleury. Excellent, excellent show today about just all the perverted entertainment that's out there. And he's not. He didn't. He wasn't talking about like the the really, really crass stuff. It was. This is the more mainstream, but it, but it's terrible. And went through just some of the uh, winners at the Oscar awards. Uh, thankfully, I can say that I have not even. I, maybe I'd heard of some of these titles, but I didn't know anything about them other than the occasional preview that you have to turn real quick because it's gross uh, that you see on television. But um, apparently the best picture this year is about a woman having an intimate relationship with a sea monster, which uh, I'd heard the title, but I didn't know anything about it, and he was talking about it, and I was just, uh, just floored. It's mean, bestiality. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, yeah, that's great. It's and not only great, it's the best picture. <laughs> I mean, that's the world we live in.
1: I saw the trailer to that yesterday because I heard someone uh, talking about how absurd it is for certain movies to be winning, and uh, this commentator was even saying that that's actually the priority of people in Hollywood now. Uh, It's not to make movies that make a lot of money and that everyone wants to see. It's to make stuff that's pushing this radical left social agenda. I mean, I saw that trailer yesterday, and it just rattled me to the core. I was shaken for a couple hours after just looking at the two-minute trailer. Uh, I didn't realize how bad it was going to be, or else I wouldn't have watched it. But uh, basically, it has like a a homosexual, a black man, a communist, all helping this sea monster break out of this American laboratory where they're doing tests on it uh, and get into this girl's bathtub, basically. I mean, that's just what was in the trailer. And it's just shocking. Like you can't even hardly think right after seeing something like that. How warped. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How warped. I can't imagine. Uh, there's been things like that where, uh, and thankfully I haven't seen too many, but like you said, a trailer or something will pop up and you just, you just, it does disturb you. When I was in college and I, this was, this was, uh almost 20 years ago. Uh, I, I took a film study class and we had to watch a variety of films and and it, a lot of different genres and some of them were were pretty good or fine classics but then they had a couple that were a little rougher and that was 20 years ago already and there was one i remember and uh uh it did sh- i just walked out of there like bothered for a long time after that yeah. should have never been in there but uh uh so there are things like that and but it's amazing because you think well if if people are going to see some of these things and it's not rattling them what has happened to the mind Where have they gone, and what's it going to take to give them that thrill the next time? I mean, it's the the mind is very um, adaptable, and uh, that can be used for good, but it can be used for evil too. To where they just become numb to things. Just just the premise of this story, it's just enough to make you sick to your stomach.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, they make it. They try to make it look as acceptable or as. I guess as normal as possible. This this woman basically is like a janitor at this this government uh facility and she's cleaning up the place every day and she comes into contact with this hideous like it's not even if this is make no mistake, this is not a merman. This is not like <laughs> right. half man with like a fish tail. This is like a full on just disgusting, hideous sea beast. And she somehow makes a connection with it because she's mute she doesn't have the ability to speak and of course the only thing that's ever going to love her or think that she is somewhat normal uh is a a sea monster Uh, it's just it's just uh it's just i couldn't even uh, (laughs) you just lose the words after a while seeing something like that and it was almost just terrifying to think that a lot of people think that this is a beautiful film and the vast majority of the comments on the trailer were saying how amazing the story was and how romantic it was. And, uh, it's just, that's where society's going. And it was just absolutely earth shaking to realize that's how bad it is that we actually are making bestiality, uh, seem like it's normal. That's what people said. As soon as, even homosexual marriage was legalized. That's what that's what people warned about was that, look, we're on this, this sliding scale here where we're just legalizing every immoral act, and it won't be long before bestiality and pedophilia are next.
0: Yeah, and, and for those uh, in Hollywood that think this is cutting edge, they should uh, read a little bit of the Old Testament where God forbid it expressly and specifically don't do that with a beast. Right. It's been done before. And uh, it's hideous beyond beyond thinking. He, you get to a point. He, if, if he would get to that point, um, well, Christ said it would be like in the days of Noah. You know, it would be like in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, right before he returned. Just look around, and you don't have to go digging in the dark web. This is this is your local mall cinema. So I mean, just outrageous, just outrageous. Like, and I had no idea what this thing was about. Uh, and we don't certainly don't recommend <laughs> anyone looking at it, but it was just Mr. Stephen Flair brought it up as just uh, a, an indication of where where things are going. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he also made a great point too about just just the fact that um, you know when people get on YouTube, and because YouTube's got a lot of videos and uh, you know whatever you're interested in, they have it there, and some of it can be good. But then he said, you know, you're you're always one or two clicks away from going down a rabbit hole of. Of uh, immorality because of all the things that they'll they'll advertise. So you have to be really careful, no matter who you are, especially with you working with your kids and teens and so forth. But uh, that's just the time we're in, and and uh, so there's a related story to that that I think is interesting, and it, the title is uh, Your Smartphone Is a Vampire. Here's how to fight it. <laughs> <laughs> so it talks about this podcast where they were talking about uh, smartphones and the way it's just sucking time away from people. Uh, never mind what they're doing with the smartphones. A lot of it's bad. But just even the fact that it, it's taking your time away, and they talk about how um, they very specifically dev- design the phones and the apps to get your attention. I mean, that's the point of it. Like They use some of the same thinking that they use in, like, say, slot machines in Las Vegas to get your attention. <laughs> you come, look at me, put money in me. They want your attention, they want your time, they want your money. And the uh, smartphones are the same thing today, so we, we have to... Uh, really be on guard against them because they do want to suck up our time
1: yeah that's uh really probably uh one of the biggest scourges on society right now is just wrong use of a device like that everyone has it in their pocket everyone's able to whip it out at any time and use it for whatever they want to do and uh, you just see that everywhere. Everyone has one of these devices, and there's always a rush to get the latest version, and everyone's using it in public. No one's no one's talking to each other. No one's really enjoying the moment. Uh, people just get obsessed with clicking on one video or one link after the next, and before they know it, hours of their day have just disappeared without them realizing it.
0: Yeah, they talk about how, again, looking at, say, the slot machine, they they figured out how to make it, interesting for people. And uh, designers increased its uh, appeal to the point where slot machines now generate an estimated 70% of the average casino's income. (laughs) A lot of people that are playing those slots. And they they talk about also just uh, how this principle is being used. Basically, the principle is connect people uh, to the individuals and information they want, and then give them a few ads along the way. That's why uh, Facebook and others are, uh, that's what they try to do. They want your attention. They want your time. They want you to click and stay there. They say, but how much attention can you stand to give up? How often do you find yourself distracted by your smartphone's social media apps? Uh, There's a tendency to chalk such technology addiction up to a weakness of character or even a generational failing, (laughs) says those millennials and their iPhones. (laughs) But as uh, Center for uh, Human uh, Technology founder Tristan Harris points out in a 2016 essay, persuasive technology is far from blameless and depends on a wide array of tricks to snare us, including the illusion of menu control, a fostered sense of FOMO, fear of missing (laughs) out, a desire for social approval, instant interruptions, and even slot machine design or intermittent uh, variable rewards. So, really, the smartphones we're carrying around is no different than having a little Las Vegas in your pocket. <laughs> it's designed to get your attention and to keep it and to keep you there. And if you've ever seen a show or read, a, read some history about how the casinos work to keep people there, it's fascinating. It's not just, oh, well, people like the casino. <laughs> they are very good at keeping you there, keeping your time and your attention and their money. And uh, the phones and the apps are designed to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, the one thing I disagree with in that write up is just is just how it says that. Uh, well, it could be easy to chalk it up to a weakness in character or to a generational failing. Well, that's that's part of it too. If we find that we can't control ourselves, it it is possible to get rid of the device or strictly limit how we use it. Uh, but people have. Largely proven incapable of doing that, so there is personal responsibility involved there. Uh, The people who make the phones are doing their job by making them as appealing as possible. Uh, They're making a product that people desire to buy. That's kind of what capitalism is all about. Uh, But at the same time, everyone who buys it needs to use it the right way, and and the people who make them uh, can't really control that part. Obviously, they want you to spend time on it, uh, but they're not the ones telling us to spend. 15 hours a day on it either
0: right and I think that's where uh, a character is an interesting thing because I think sometimes people think like well if I have good character I should be able to not do it but be around it all the time right where in reality the character I think is realizing this could be a problem for me so I'm going to get away from it mm-hmm. like if you look at the Las Vegas example if you hung out in a casino 10 hours a day eventually you're going to be a gambler oh yeah because what else are you going to do you're going to get there is a pull they do know how to pull at your human nature and you're going to end up doing it so what do you do don't go there (laughs) or you know i'm not saying you can never go there but i mean you know you don't get involved in those sorts of activities it's the same with anything uh it could even be a a drug or something you know the character isn't do it and then say i'm not going to do it anymore it's don't do it in the first place (laughs) you know stay away from it so uh there's a good point in that but they do give some some tips on how if you do have a phone, a uh, smartphone, which a lot of people do and sometimes need them, there's ways to uh, maybe safeguard yourself a little bit. They say uh, one way is to turn off notifications, uh, except when they signal direct messages from human beings. <laughs> <laughs> do you really need instant notification of brunch deals in your area? And uh, that's something I did because it's just constant interruptions. And you look at it. Well, what is that? Oh, there's a sale at, you know. I don't care. You know, they keep, <laughs> you know, or your app wants to update.
1: Well, it makes you feel popular to have the, your phone buzzing all the time. And even if it's not an actual human being and just some advertising service, we're like, oh, we, someone cares about us, even if it's people who are just trying to get our money.
0: Yeah. I've, you know, and we've all probably had this happen, and, and this has happened a lot to me, it seems lately, is somebody's driving in the opposite direction of you and they start to come into your lane. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? And then all <laughs> they correct, and they're on their phone. This happens multiple times a week. And I just always think, what is so important? You just had to be looking at your phone. I mean, you know it's nothing. You know it's nothing. Is it worth potentially dying for? But yet, it's so easy to pick it up. Yeah. They say, if uh, possible, switch your device display to grayscale. Do you dare? App <laughs> <laughs> designers are no strangers to color theory. And you better bet that they've employed the perfect color scheme to master your attention. It's not as exciting to click on things if they're not colorful. (laughs) (laughs) So that might be something to do. Uh, They say you can sort your shortcuts, keep essential tools on the home screen, but delete meaningless distractions. Uh, Track or limit your usage, which we've talked about before, you know, just uh, with a lot of things in life, how much time do we spend doing it? And uh, it's interesting. It can be quite revealing. And then the probably the obvious one, physically limit your access to the device such as during slumber. So if it's not right within arm shot, you probably won't well, you won't use it. It's funny how it, it does sort of feel almost scary. Where if you're like, I'm just gonna leave this in this room and I'm just gonna go do something else. <laughs> and you're you're almost afraid, like, but what if there's a sale at the you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> So what if somebody wants to get a hold of me? But uh so sometimes people uh, do that. So those are some things to consider uh, if if you feel like the, the phone is becoming a time, time vampire, as they say.
1: Yeah, there does need to be a certain period of time every day where the phone is not with us, uh, particularly when we sleep. It might even be a good idea to leave the phone outside the room where we sleep for the entire night because even when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we want to do is is look at that bright screen and Mm -hmm. see where it leads us sometimes and that's not always the best idea and before you know it your whole morning could disappear before you have to go to work Uh, and then even whenever we we go home sometimes uh if we don't put the phone away it can be a little bit uh distracting from family time and those other important things that need to get done so if we if we just restrict how often the phone is physically on our person that would probably help a lot in terms of at least making sure that we have time in life for the important things.
0: Yeah. There's uh, a really good little write-up from thetrumpet.com. It's from the November 2004 Trumpet Print Edition. uh, It talks about family time because uh, having having distractions, it could be anything, but I think smartphones are probably the number one culprit, uh, can take away from family time. You may be physically next to them, but you may not be engaged. And they s- this is uh, from Family Circle, uh, this statistic. They say 77% of all children surveyed say they wish they could have more time together with their parents. And only 46% of parents know it. So, you know, kids typically don't come up and say, I'd really like to spend some more quality time with you. They're usually, you know, there's other ways of showing it maybe. But uh, and th- that, again, was from 2004. So imagine where it is today. Because people are so distracted. Um, and But but then I think at some point that equation probably flips to where the parents want to spend more time with the kids when they're a little older and the kids are like, I'm not interested.
1: Well, that stat was 77% of kids want to spend more time with their parents. But uh, a more recent stat said that uh, because of smartphones, it's like about that same percentage that pretty much brings a smartphone with them to every meal. Mm. And they, they have it right next to their plate for an entire meal. Does that really help you have a stimulating conversation does that help you enjoy the meal itself if all you want to do is scroll through the phone without even thinking about what you're eating like we've talked about before uh so it's almost like you said like the percentages have flipped in this way too uh probably a lot of kids don't care to spend as much time with their parents now because the phone's almost like a replacement parent
0: yeah well yeah it's funny if you think about it you were saying you know putting it by the plate there and made me think about what if you what if you did that exact same thing with a different device what would people think of you if you always carried a calculator with you <laughs> and you always had it next to you and people are talking to you and you're like working equations like what are you what are you doing oh, i'm just doing some math you know people be like what is the matter with this guy but yeah what's the difference it's still a distraction and in that case at least it'd be beneficial cuz exactly. math may have some benefit to it but but yeah it, it is interesting if you think about replacing the smartphone with another object or device that doesn't make as much sense or isn't as commonly accepted. People would think you're crazy. Well,
1: what if you just put your pocket knife on the table and we're fiddling with that thing and all, <laughs> pulling out all the different right. uh, appendages to it? Like, like people would be like, "Okay, whoa, that's a little, little crazy. Can we just put that thing away and and not endanger everyone else around you?"
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, anything. You are a notepad, and you are always like jotting down notes and. Yeah, people will pictures. get
1: suspicious of that. They think yeah. that you're writing down stuff they're saying <laughs> to hold against them or something. Right. I mean, it's literally everything you think of. It would just be completely socially unacceptable. But for some reason, for this one device, we make an exception.
0: Yeah, because there is a chance that maybe something pro- uh, relevant is happening with it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. It's uh, it's really interesting to look at. So uh, there, there's a little more info from this uh, Family Time write-up. And uh, just gives some statistics and so forth. But it has a good point here at the end. It says... Uh, since it is a basic truism, this is a quote from Herbert W. Armstrong from The Missing Dimension in Sex. Since it is a basic truism that a solid family structure is the foundational bulwark of any stable and permanent society, this fact means only one thing, this breakdown in family and, and not spending the time together. Uh, civilization as we know it is on the way down and out unless that great unseen strong hand from someplace soon intervenes and saves today's sixth society. And, of course, Matthew 24 shows that that will happen, referring to Christ's return. But, you know, you think about when Mr. Armstrong wrote that, which would have been mm, early 80s, I guess, late 70s, early 80s. He, he said at that time, look, the family's breaking down. That means civilization as we know it is on its way down and out. And uh, how about today? How about the exact topic today of the Trumpet Daily Radio Show? Where now we're talking about an award-winning film, which is all about bestiality. I mean, and so it was Mr. Armstrong, right? His society on the way down and out?
1: Oh well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's gotten a lot worse. I mean, there was another award-winning film about a grown man seducing a 17-year-old boy. So it was a homosexual pedophilia film that won an award, too. Uh, so that's that is the replacement for parents and Mm. if if kids decide that they want to spend all their time on a smartphone or going to the movies or just filling their minds with video games and this other and this other stuff well obviously that's going to take up their time and it's going to replace their parents and so even these kids who say that they might not want their parents involvement deep down they need it and they actually do want it because it will make them a lot happier it'll help them avoid Uh, destructive content like that
0: yeah for sure you have to you have to be aware of what's out there and not allow not allow your kids to be uh influenced by it and then even like that premise you were talking about of that other film you know as a as a parents if our children had some adult come up and try to you know (laughs) persuade them to do something like that imagine what you would do as a parent you'd say I better not see you again I mean, so it's
1: fine to watch that exact yeah. same thing play out on a screen, yeah. as long as it's not happening to them in person. Yeah, and it's I, illegal. Yeah, it is. And then we, <laughs> it's it's just put out there. It's just the most satanic filth you could imagine. Uh, and it's just broadcast every, everywhere like it's totally fine. That's the replacement for parents. If parents are not diligent and they're not making sure that their kids stay away from stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Every year, every year these films come out and they just keep pushing the boundaries or it could be a video game or it could be the latest gadget. it just keeps pushing the boundaries away from family, away from uh, God of course, and into Satan's way of thinking and uh of course there's a great quote that Mr. Armstrong had years ago where he said, you know you you might ignore your kids, but Satan won't mm. and that's exactly what's happening. yeah, the parents might ignore him, but the smartphone doesn't it's <laughs> always there yeah, it's always on. it's always ready to have a conversation.
1: yeah, you have to have a a good something good to replace. Uh, these bad habits. You can't just take away the smartphone and then send the kid off to his room uh, to do nothing and just sit there. You have to replace it with family time and and with good activities and and hobbies and uh, pursuits that will actually benefit them. And mainly, like we're talking about right now, the family time. That that has to be there to actively replace um, some of these more destructive influences.
0: Right. If you're having a great Time with your family, and you enjoy your family, and you're in the middle of just having a, you know, a fun activity, and somebody came in and said, "Hey, you want to go watch this film about this lady and this sea monster?" I think everybody be like, "What are you talking about? Get out of here!" Right. But even though know, if you're left to your own sort of devices, you never know where it ends up. It doesn't end up good. But that's what the Bible says. So uh, anyway, great trumpet daily radio show today. Uh, make sure you do check that out as well as the Kia David program and the Trumpet Hour today. Also, all that coming up here on uh, Trumpet Radio. That's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Uh, For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow.
1: You're listening to Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG.